if you would just look at bodily functions, how much control do you always shit when you want to shit? Or do you shit when it wants to shit? Yeah? If you're the doer of the thoughts, stop thinking. See how that works out. Yeah? Are you pumping the blood in your body? Are you digesting the food, really? If you were... If you were in charge of digesting your food, you would have forgotten that burrito on Thursday. Definitely. Or some slice of pizza or something else. You'd be so backed up in what you had to digest, you'd have no t- no time to go to work or to do, do anything. You'd be busy going over what you've eaten all day and digesting it. Or if it was based on, hey, I've got to ser- send this blood into my hand, you'd forget. Yeah, your mind, oh, look at that pretty thing. Oh, your arm would, you know, turn gangrene. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to beat my heart. Boom, that would be it. You'd have one mistake, you'd be over. Yeah. But then, all of these grosser activities of the body, of living, it seems funny. Oh, yeah, digesting your food. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so absurd. Yet you believe you're the thinker of a much more subtle process of the brain and the body called thinking. Yet you take yourself to be the thinker of it. You own all of that. You don't own the digestion. You don't own pumping the blood. You don't own beating the heart. Yeah. When you have trouble with the heart, you don't go to yourself. You go to a master of heart. Yeah. When you have when you have trouble with circulation, you don't go to yourself to deal with it. You usually find out about the problem. But here, thinking, you're going to use thinking to solve the problems that thinking engenders. And how are you going to do it? As the thinker. So, there's a thought on a thought on a thought. This thought's driving this thought crazy, and now I'm going to think about how to get out of it. (laughs) All it does is just produce a giant plethora of thinking, yes? It starts very simply, and it just geometrically progresses. Then you're like in a mental blizzard. 70,000 thoughts a day, they say, go through you. 70,000 thoughts a day. That view? (laughs) That view. 70,000 thoughts a day. Can you imagine how tired you'd be if you were doing the thinking? Yeah. Jesus, I'm doing the same thing 70,000 times a day. Can you imagine you did 70,000 push-ups? 70,000 <laughs> chin things? 70,000... <laughs> you'd be doing calisthenics all day. But these just come and they go, and yet how they're held is I'm the thinker of them, or they're mine. Yeah? And then your, your attention and interest gets glommed onto it and you can't look away. Even though when you know it's absurd, you're glued to that, that screen. Three in the morning, it keeps you awake. You get up, you're in total anxiety and nothing's actually happened yet. You're, you're just frozen in fear because the continuum of last night is just re-engages when you wake up. Just ties the little knot and you go on with that little mental stream. And of course you're seeking for relief every second of the day. But you don't know what you really need relief from. Because if you did, you would have gotten the relief and it would have become lasting. If you were onto something and you actually got the solution to it, you'd be reveling in the relief that the solution brings. But it doesn't work that way, does it? You meet something, let's say Buddhism, then a couple of years later it's, you're bored or it's not working, so then you go to extreme turbocharged Buddhism. I saw an advertising in a paper one. Join us with radical extreme Buddhism. What the fuck is that? It sounds like a workout. All right. I'm done with the, you know, the hatha yoga. I'm going to do the bikram. I'm going to get super hot. It doesn't matter how many times. If 
if the formula is flawed, no matter how you move, like the, the chairs on the deck of the Titanic or the numbers in the equation, it's still never going to add up. If it did, it would register as satisfaction. You'd feel contentment right now, yes? You'd be so rooted in this moment because you'd realize there is no field greater than this. The past and the future doesn't have any crop like this moment does because you are here in this moment. Up here, in this, all that's here is your mental idea of you. This is the, this is the realm of self. God is, selfing is God in this realm of time. When you're being, when there's thought about you, you believe there's thought and it's you. The thought about you is one thing called selfing. That's what it is. It's one activity of the mind just streaming. Yeah? It streams into this thing called the past and it streams into this thing called the future and it gets occupied because it pictures you somewhere else at some other time. And then it's... Geez. That's what happens. People sometimes have an incredible pause. They have an epiphany. And the effect of that event is so minimized because the selfing claims to be the one who had the epiphany. Then the epiphany loses all of its real juice as some place to entertain, some, let's say, possibility that was never entertained has been given to you. Now you can entertain it. Instead, you entertain it as if you had the epiphany, which is all it is is selfing again. Yeah? So the epiphany, in a sense, loses all of its oomph you put it on the mental mantle, and now you have another bondage of self, a spiritual self. Yeah. Which is much more slippery than, let's say, an addict self. At least you can see the addict self. But the, the spiritual self is much more subtle. We, they don't have 28-day day programs for spiritual seekers. They don't have interventions on spiritual seekers. There's no place you can dry out from spiritual seeking for three days. You know what I mean? Just watch repeats on TV. No self-help books, no fucking yoga postures. Just sit there. Sit there with your mind for a while. Yeah? There isn't. It's like a, a cry for help that's never answered. They just keep going back to the same trough and not getting fed. Yeah? Going to the same meetings, the same thing, the same retreats. And all they do is elongate them. Instead of, oh, it didn't work for a three-day retreat, I'll do a week retreat. That doesn't work, I'll do a month retreat. That didn't work, I'll do a three-month retreat with talking and silence. And then throw some tantric yoga in there. And it just goes on and on and on and on. There's nothing wrong with those things as expressions, but to take you from somewhere you already are to somewhere where you think you should be, it's not a good delivery system. It has to fail you because you have to be left with your own devices. Inevitably. That's why all saviors fail, and that's their service, is to fail us. So that you stop looking at them and giving them attributes you actually already have. And then making them special, as if you have to acquire the attributes they came about through grace. You believe they did something to get it, when it, if they're honest, they'll say they didn't do anything to get it. Yet you still believe, no, they did something to get it. And then you put the, your own attributes that are available onto them. And then it becomes something you have to seek for. And you get trapped once again and the mind is just... It's much simpler and subtler and much more obvious than that. That's why they have the statements, a gateless gate. How can it be a gate without a gate on it? Exactly. Yeah? You get it? Gateless gate. 
wait a minute. My idea of a gate is I've got to work towards, walk towards it, right? Usually there's going to be some kind of toll, maybe, to get through. I'm going to have to do something, purify, work at it. And then if I just do enough, and everything, obviously everything is based on me, if I just do enough, then I'll be able to open the gate. Well, we're going to take that totally away from you. It's a gateless gate. What? Oh, yeah, it's gateless. There's no approach. There's no toll. There's no special key you need to open it. You can walk freely through it, and you won't even recognize it as a past gate. Yeah? It's not like it was a gate, and then it's suddenly gateless by something you did. It's gateless. Yeah? It's an open secret. Wait a minute. How can it be a secret if it's open? Exactly. Yeah? It's not a secret. It's open. It's wide open. It's right where we are at any time right now. What we call looking, seeing right through this. Yeah? But I feel bad today. Doesn't that have any effect on it? No, it actually doesn't. I feel great today. Does it have any effect on it? No. We play God, the mental condition plays God and creates distance to that place we are already at, and then it decides if you, you're, you're worthy of it or not worthy of it. Yeah. So if you're really good, maybe it'll give you a little glimpse, and then, but then you're, you're apt to be bad, and then the glimpse will be gone. And then that glimpse will drive you crazy, because you'll think, why am I not there? What did I do not to be able to go there again? Which is all selfing, isn't it? When everything rests on you, even knowing God rests on you. Yeah? In other words, you, without the being the knower, you can't know God. But a great master says to know God is to be God. That's totally different in the way my head interprets it. it to know God is to be a knower of God. Once the emphasis goes on me, the knower is more important than the God that it knows. Yeah? But he's saying, cuts it right off beautifully. Hey, yeah, to know God is to be God. What am I going to do? Find out. Yeah? Let that information drop in. See what happens. There's a lot of ways to learn here. One of them is knowing, yeah? You study, and then you think you know a topic, and it's usually conceptualized, isn't it? You have to freeze it. You've got to take the livingness out of it in a way to know it. It's sort of like to know an animal the way we want to know it, like how all the organs work. We usually kill it and then do an autopsy under a glass, and we look at the liver, and, but it's basically dead. The frogness of the frog is gone, Yeah. We think we know the frog, but the frogness of it has disappeared. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the mind wants to know the truth as if it's something it can put on the glass or take an advantage of, right? Get an advantage of it. But he's saying to know, really to know God is to be God. Yeah? So not that it's something that you have, like the, something called the truth, that you are the truth. Isn't it a quite different shift? Yeah? I found the truth. No, I am the truth. Much different than finding the truth. Because if you find the truth, you're apt to lose it. Because you can't find it, right? That's a, that's a story. So therefore, you can't lose it, but there'll be a story that you lose it. Yeah? And so you'll play the mind little ping pong game. I found it once, but then I acted out, then I lost it. And now I'm working really hard to find it again. Yet, nothing's actually changed. 
the invitation is still the open gate. It's still the open secret. It's always available at all times. But you set up the requirements. You make it, you give it distance and time. It doesn't do that. It's not of any distance because it's everywhere and it's of no time. So for it to be something we understand, we have to give it time and space. We have to have it be something and we have to have it, it will take time to get it. Yet it's, it's not like that. Like we were talking today at this meeting and so when you do a recovery meeting, you share about what happened, what it was, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Yeah. So, I was talking about the intersection where what it was like turned into what it's like now. Yeah. And I was just sitting in a trailer in Calistoga, California. I had, I had any or any hope that things could be different had been dismissed years ago. I was pretty much hunkered down in the way it was going to be, which is I'm going to end up in institutions, jails, and death. So I'm just going to try to stay as high as I can until the next time I park in front of one of those doors. Yeah, That's all that was going on. Just survival, no hope whatsoever, nothing like that. And uh, suddenly something happened. My mind stopped. Yeah, The selfing, that activity, stopped. I had no idea it could stop because it seemed to have been on forever, but it actually has the ability to stop. It stopped and some information came in. Not bidden. I didn't ask for it. Yeah? I wasn't looking in that direction. I was looking at the bottle's direction. That's what I was looking at. And I was looking at the guy I was drinking with. That was all. And my mind was thinking, how can I get some money to get some drugs? That's basically all. I wasn't looking up or praying to God. <laughs> yeah, but something downloaded me and it changed my whole life here. I was sharing it today. I've got 24 years of sobriety. My whole life got altered by about a three minute pause and so much info downloaded, it's still playing out to this day. Yeah. So how could so much, de- how could so much quote unquote information come in such a short period of time? It was not of time. It came from a place not of time. It dropped in, and its value is that it increases in time. It expresses through time, but it's always imminently everything. Yeah? So then what happened? Then I was introduced to recovery. Why? Because that's what I needed, quote-unquote, here. I needed something to diminish the mental condition, because my mental condition was skyrocketing. It was all mental. I was just obsessed with the idea of Paul living out of the past and then projection, projecting the past into a future that I was scared shit of. Literally. I was running around like a cockroach when you turn a light on in a kitchen. I was looking for the refrigerator to get under. And the refrigerator was drinking and doing drugs and acting out. Yeah. Suddenly, I get into recovery and the mental state that was dominant started diminishing. And it wasn't like something that wasn't there showed up. Something that was always there was revealed in a way. Yeah? Because once I came my ass my I came out of the ass of self and I popped out, yeah, the mental condition went down sufficiently enough, I saw the always risen sun as if it was rising anew. Yeah? And that sunlight of the spirit changed how I was here radically and it stabilized it over time. Yeah, where that ravenous desire to have to get something to fill my emptiness, seemingly, 
has been has been replaced with a sense of contentment. Yeah, that I'm not looking for much. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> not because it's virtuous not to look for, because there's no need. Yeah, it's not nobility or virtue. It's just uh, it's just an appropriate response to being relieved of the burden or obsession with self. You travel lighter in your life. And it stabilizes where it becomes the norm to be okay. And every once in a while you'll have an experience of agitation and being upset and stuff like that. Instead of the norm being a chronic state of a mental and emotional condition. yeah. And then maybe you get a, a blissful day at the three-day retreat. Or you get a beautiful Saturday or when the surfing is good. But the mind always goes back to its norm which is irritability, restlessness and discontent. And even if it doesn't seem to be expressing, it's just mentally subdued. It's just holding all your attention and interest to keep it at bay. I remember when I walked into recovery, a guy had about 15 years, a couple years later said, you were one of the most, one of the three most people, three most angry people I've ever seen come into AA. And if you would have asked me if I had any, any anger when I came in, I would have said no. I had no connection with what was running the whole life. None whatsoever. I was like a little pimple, a little pin, a little pimple on a pinhead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yet I thought that was all I was. This little mental activity of selfing. Yeah? So they say you gotta be willing to save your ass instead of your face. But I had a problem. I thought my ass was my face. Yeah? I had to realize I was living an image of life instead of really living life. Once that correction was in place, then you see the expression changes. The way you live changes. The way you see things changes with no thought or effort on your part. None. You know, you do. You've got every, you've got all the requirements necessary. You're conscious. There's awareness. Yeah. When the mental state goes down, the awareness becomes the dominant influence. And you honor it more than anything else. Yeah? So you fall in love with nothing in a sense. And then you get everything out of it. You get relieved of the burden of your preoccupation with yesterday and tomorrow. You're not defined by the thoughts that are attempting to define you constantly in your head. You're not defined by the feelings that you're having seemingly moving through the body. You're not defined at all anymore. The living definition, which defines and undefines, is found out. You just start living. I mean, really living, like on the pulse of the day. Yeah, not on, not four o'clock this afternoon, but on the pulse right now. You're hearing it. You're feeling it. You're sensing the presence of being. Yeah, it does wonders to you. It really does. It changes your whole makeup. You don't get a no mind, no thought. It's appropriate now. Thoughts have value. They know how to take a nut and put it on a bolt, yeah? They know how to, oh, this, if I, hey, I, I may need a new carburetor, you know? They can, it can come up with ideas about this place that can be helpful. But the incessant thinking about what everything means to you is dismissed. So instead of life is happening to you all day, it's life is happening. And it's a joyous ride when it's seen as it's happening. It can be hell if it's seen as it's happening to you, Yeah? Someone, you know, if someone's going out and doing what's best for them, but you may take it because it doesn't include you, 
yeah, it produces a threat about them. You resent them, and yet all they're doing is moving, let's say, to the best possible in the best possible direction. But in your self-centered point of view, you see it as a threat. You're there moving away from me, so you won't let even someone go and find their own destiny. Even if you don't love them, you want to capture them and claim them and hold them and as hostage. Because if I'm not going to be happy, you're not fucking going to be happy. <laughs> you know, it's insane how how neurotic the mind can get when it's turned on its own tail and it's been eating itself for so long. Yeah. And then you, if jeez, man. So there is a solution. There's a lot of ways to see it. Let's say if your house is on fire and you're burning up, then the solution would be a pail of water, yes? Let's say you realize there is no house, there is no fire, then there's no need for water. In a sense, that's also a solution at a different point of mind, yeah? You've got to see where the mind is. Because if you try to apply a very highfalutin solution when you really believe your house is on fire, it's not going to work. The philosophy that there is no house and there is no fire isn't going to hold water. You need a pail of water. Yeah? Yeah. So be flexible. Watch where the mind is. There's no you that should be somewhere else. Yeah? However the mind is expression at that moment, it's not defining the you that should be different. Yeah? There is no you. Take out this, this false staticness, this false stagnated position Either I should know better. No, you shouldn't. At that moment, you shouldn't have known better. Because why? You didn't know better. That's as simple as that. Yeah? Why is it that all these mental states are arising and emotional states are arising and departing and they're arising intermingling with other states and then having a crescendo and an explosion and an event and then going back and something else? Why is it that we want to have one stagnant long-lasting, independent, separate location called Paul that should know better, that should be better, that should be farther ahead than this. All that produces is pain. How are you going to... In other words, if, if all there is is verbing and you want to become a noun, what's going to happen? You're going to get hit by all those verbs. <laughs> the verbs are going to hit the hell out of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna, and you'll be arguing with reality and you're going to lose every time because it doesn't see you as a noun it's just verbing everything is verbing you can go along with it or you can try to take a position and be right about it and you may be right about it but you'll definitely be alone and, and it won't be that happy <laughs> what happens when you finally surrender and relent you get back it ca- you get caught in the flow again you're just going with it finally every time you put your foot down and get obstinate you get su- you suffer the mind gets agitated it convolutes it starts it starts uh, gnashing on its own gears this shouldn't be this way there can't be a God if this is happening all this baloney comes into place it's just a matter of letting go and going with it This is going. To, this moment's going to be seemingly over soon enough. It's already over by the time you wake up here. Yeah, the present moment that you're thinking you're in what happened a second ago. Any process takes time. The mental process of thinking it's your you 
takes time. It takes time, and the moment that it started doing it in, by the time it culminates, the feeling of being you is already a past moment. Yeah? You're never here, in a sense. You can't capture the picture. You can't, it's, you can't stop life. You can't get a picture of it. It's just flowing, 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 flowing. If you, that's what the mental process is trying to do. It's trying to stabilize something that's unstable. It's trying to make sense out of something that's mysterious. It's trying to say, no, there's a solid me, yeah, and I can actually see what's happening. You can't see what's happening unless you're seeing it. Yeah? If you're looking at it, that ain't what's happening. Looking is a form of, it's a, I call it self-centeredness, yeah? When your mind is in self-centeredness, where you believe you're the thinker, you're the doer, you're the one, you're the Alpha and Omega, that takes seeking and turns it, it can't change it, but makes it appear to be a form of looking called self-centeredness. So, just like I shared today at the meeting, when I was about 11, I was walking through school one day, and a pretty girl said hello to me, and in self-centeredness, I went home, and I wondered what she meant by it for five hours. I went over every fucking thing, over and over and over again, but I could only look at it from self-centeredness. So I could only see the event as how it pertained to me. My mind couldn't see it as just an event. All I could see it as, how does it, what does this mean to me? That's called the bondage of self. That's a form of looking. Yeah? Called self-centeredness. Most of us are being blind to what's looking by because we're taking to be the one who's looking in this way called self-centered. Yeah? So that looking, you can't apply that to find what's seen. You just give up that and then that's the seeing. Yeah? It's not like it wasn't the seeing. It's always been the seeing. It had just been bastardized into a form of looking. So when you stop, when the mind stops doing that, then the seeing is obvious. Then it's the open secret. Then it's the gateless gate. Then is hey, you know, you are what you are. What you're seeking for, yes. That the journey ends and starts right where you are, and there's nowhere to go, and there's nowhere to come from or get to. What? What the fuck are they talking about? Well, <laughs> if you stop, if you get out of the looking, you'd see. Like Jesus says, for the ones who have eyes to see and ears to hear. The eyes and ears are there, but some have the ears to hear it and some have the eyes to see it. When that grace descends, then you shift out and then you have the eyes and ears to see and hear it. Then all these things that were said or you read have such a whack on you. I mean, you can read, instead of 500 pages of scriptures to try to beat yourself over the head with an idea, like a half a sentence can do it. You just, whoa, wow. And some of the most the loveliest statements are very cryptic, very short. Like, what's looking is what you're looking for. Yeah? Mind can't f- seek mind. Buddha can't seek Buddha. Self can't get out of self. What do you mean, mind can't seek mind? You can't use the way the mind is to find the mind. You have to give up that, yeah? and there's, then there's no finding the mind. You are the mind. Yeah? The whole idea of finding is like a third step away from it. As soon as it becomes finding, it can be losing. It's dualistic already. But being it is out of the dualism. Yeah? It's not like you did something to be it and you can do something to unbe it. No. You're out of the dualism. You are just in a stable state. Yeah? 
And that stable state has a huge influence in the comings and goings, in the highs and lows, in the yes and no's. It leavens it. It allows you to travel later through the, the mountains and the molehills, yeah, that the mind's doing all day. Yeah? I'll tell you, if you stop looking, well, you, that sounds like a command or a suggestion. The language is a, definitely a, a disadvantage, but if you could stop looking and believing something's going to bring about something in two years, you'd see it's available now. You would see that you are the, you are the gift that you want to wrap in a conceptual way and have it being delivered to you in a different way. You are that gift. You are the raw gift of that. You are what's seen. You are what's seen now. Without you, there is no moment. Yeah? And therefore, there's no way you could ever be out of the moment, and therefore there's no need to try to get into the moment. Why not just recognize you can't be out of the moment, and you'd really be in this moment? And you realize you've never not been in, in this moment. Yeah? Instead of thinking, taking this convoluted route that I'm out of the moment, which is a lie, and now I'm going to work really hard to get into the moment, only to have to live with the fear that I could be out of it at any minute when I stop doing what I have to do to get in it. Yeah? Look at all the work that's made out of nothing. If you want to be busy, help some other people. You know, if you want to keep, if your mind's that that crazy and that bored, help others instead of making up these illusory trips that we have to take all day just to be okay. You know, always with the always with the the low hanging fear that if I don't do this, it won't keep happening. Yeah, is that peace? Is that peace that when you arrive at peace, you worry about when you're going to lose it? How could that be peace? That's just a mental idea of peace. Just another thing to worry about. Yeah? Peace is not an object. The mind wants to make it an object so that it can worry about it. So it can acquire it and lose it. Acquire it and lose it. Lose it, acquire it. Yeah. It's like the currency. You can't buy anything with it. Nothing is the gift that keeps on giving. Because it can't be fucking touched by the dualistic fingerprints of the mental condition. It just doesn't buy that. It's always there at all times, never blinks, never swerves, never looks away. It is the context of everything that's happening. The awareness is what allows everything to be noted or not noted here. You know, or to have the experience, oh, I was noting that earlier, now I'm not noting it. Hey, it's there, I see it. Yeah? All of that movement of yes and no, seeing, not seeing, happens in the context of all seeing. Yeah? And to go, it can't go against its nature and not be all-seeing. It can manifest and then appear to be not seeing and seeing, but it doesn't change its course or its nature. Just like consciousness is not something that you can pump up and then lose. It's not like you can get a flat tire of consciousness and then pump it up like a bicycle. Oh, I'm really conscious today. And you have this slow little... Oh, I've got a flat again. <laughs> no, consciousness isn't something that goes oomph and oomph. Yeah, it's imminent. It's a field of infinite possibility. It's always available at all times. Why not take a little advantage of it? If supposing they say God is everywhere, why aren't we rubbing up against it? 
you know, if I ran, if I touched it, if I ran by this and I hit it, I'd know it. I would have come up against this thing. Why can't we come up against no thing? Why are we like the fish that's blind to the sense, the, the fact that it's in water? That it, and it can live a, a, it can live a story of being dry, always looking for that glass of water when it's totally immersed in water. How can I not be feeling everything and everywhere? How can I not sense the presence, which is the presence? I can sense someone who comes to be present, and then I can think about them when they're absent. That's the mental interpretation. But I can't sense the presence. I can't pick up the fact of something that never leaves and never comes. I can only recognize what's coming and going. You're not that defined by perception. You're not defined by thingness. That everywhere can seem absent. You're privy to that knowledge. It's available to us. We are of that. But to look and see and try to be, you know, look at that as this doesn't work. Question this. If you're not this, that's that. Seriously. If you're not what you're taking yourself to be because that's all you are is what you take yourself to be. It's delivered by all the activity, thoughts, feelings, actions being claimed by a mental process and being used like you would use this bottle. All I need is one word in front of it to imply ownership, my, my bottle. Now the bottle then points to the owner, right? Problem, my problem. The problem now is used to point to who has the problem, doesn't it? Thought, my thought. Now the thought is held and is used to point to the thinker, yeah? But you never see the thinker. You never see the one who has the problem. Oh, yes, I do. I look in the mirror. No, you see a body when you look in the mirror. You don't see you, yeah? Yeah? So you never see the thinker. You never see the haver. You never see the one who has the problem. All you do is the mind sees the pointer and it makes the leap itself into being the one that's pointed at like the illusion of self called selfing so you'll see it you'll see the thinking you'll see the feeling you'll see the problems yeah you'll see them and then you'll see the mental claiming of it and then using that as a diving board to jump into the sense of being the subject and you can see that and there's nothing that shows up it's just a leap of mind Something points enough, you assume that there's something that's being pointed at, don't you? If something keeps pointing, oh, there must be something that it's pointing at. No, there isn't. There's just pointing all day. We take the cue and then we become the that which we think is being pointed at. It is such a fucking mental idea. And it can only live in the mentality and it's reinforced by mentality and therefore the mental condition becomes the dominant condition and total and aspects of mind or beingness get so underappreciated that we're starving. And so we're looking for nothing in things, which makes it even worse. Because things are going to come and go. They're not reliable. They're going to disappoint you. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Sometimes you get so much things, it leaves it an emptier feeling than when you didn't have anything. 
You know, you get a lot of money and you feel empty. Hey, this didn't translate to what I thought it was going to. You get a lot of girlfriends. It doesn't translate to what you thought. Nothing seems to really establish that that long-lasting, stabilized condition because it can't. You can't get the quality of no thing while you're shopping for things. doesn't mean, oh, well, I'm going to stop shopping for things. No, that doesn't fucking matter. Like the Master said, don't give up your possessions, give up the possessor. That's all. Don't worry about the possessions. It's the mind that's giving them the meaning. And the meaning is that there's a possessor. Question that, and then have fun with the possessions. Give them away. Who cares after that? Because the dilemma is the possessor. Yeah? It's not like you have too much money, or you know. There's too much of you thinking they has the money. That's the problem. There's some money generates such a feeling of being the one who has the money that money seems to be the evil. But it's actually what the mind did with the money. Yeah, my money. Woo! Yeah. And some people they have a belief in the my that no matter how much money they get, it's not enough. They always feel like they're lacking. They can't even enjoy what they have. They have to keep trying to procure more. Yeah? Slavery, isn't it? It's a form of fucking slavery. Just like if you're enslaved to your image or you're enslaved to this, it's a form of slavery. It demands a lot of attention every day, all day. And how much do you get out of it? Do you get an ease and comfort from it? talk about being vigilant in spirituality we're totally vigilant in mentality spirituality has nothing to do with vigilance it has to do with wideness and expression and like a, a diffuse attention not a concentrated attention not standing guard around it but brazenly living as if it's so yeah not walking around I have this great gift you have the great gift by giving it away. That's how you have it. You're running around enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah. So. I'm still fired up after all these years. Well, how can you not be here? If you're here, I don't see how you cannot be fired up because I see so much mental illness, yeah? And some of it's looking very successful and very, you know, sought after, but it's a very strong mental illness, yeah? And there's a... This peace is really a peace that passeth understanding, yeah? You can't understand it, you just find out about it, yeah? By opening to it. And how do you open to it? by realizing you're not that which believes it can be closed to. Yeah. If there was no... If you're not in a room, and there's no windows, and there's no shades, and there's no light outside, and yet the dominant atmosphere in the room is darkness, yeah, and that in that position, if you're in that room, a five-cent paper shade can block you off from the sunlight of the spirit. That five-cent paper shade defines your scarcity or your abundance, your sense of well-being or your ravenous seeking. Yeah? And therefore, you're apt to be taken advantage of trying to find out how to get to that 
that little shade and how to pull it up because you won't have enough confidence that you can do it yourself so you have to find some pseudo person to and then and then maybe you pull it up but inevitably it goes back down again so you get the taste of the light but it's not the state of the light what would happen if you're not in that room if you're on the other side you still see the shade but now the shade from the, the sun side has no ability to block you off from the light you see the shade you even see the room you even see the chair where you thought you were in sitting in you see it all yeah but you never see you there because there, there's never been a you there it's just been a mental leap that p- puts an appearance of you there yeah it has never never completed its mission you cannot be in that seat. You're not in that room. You're not dependent on that shade going up to get the light. You were on the side of the light. Hallelujah. Yeah. But, what happens when I go here? Well, then you've just written yourself into the room again. Yes? Because that's what mine does. It pictures you somewhere else at some other time, but always in the setting of a room. Always in the setting of needing something to allow something that's always already so to happen for you. It's a very bad position to be in. Any position is really. So. Any questions today? No? Maybe I should tell Google. What's looking is what you're looking for. That is not what it should be looking for. <laughs> exactly. He'll come up with an answer. <laughs> so let's say seeing is what's happening, yeah? But we're calling seeing a form of looking, of self centeredness So in, when that's in position, then it's driven to look for because there's seemingly something absent that it needs, yeah? Its own, it's in a sense, its own nature, but it doesn't picture it that way, right? So as soon as the seeing is claimed by the self-centeredness, the mental process, it's turned into a form of looking, yeah? That looking presupposes you need a lot of things, so it's busily looking for, and St. Francis is just trying to save you time by saying, what you're looking for is what's looking, so that you maybe would question, yeah, not how you're looking or, or what direction you're looking, but maybe who you look, who's looking. Maybe by questioning that, that could shift, and then you would see what's seeing yeah, is actually what's looking for. And then when you realize that, you may lose interest in a lot of looking for, because you are what's seeing. <laughs> I mean, you can look for surf, and you can look for this, and look for that. That's part of living here. But you're not looking for the answer. <laughs> you're living the answer. <laughs> and this is exactly how it wants it to be right now. <laughs> I 
And I'd like to see you win that argument. <laughs> Try to change it. <laughs> Everything you do to change it was already involved in it. You ever see the movie The Matrix? You ever see that movie? Did you ever? The second and third sucked. But this, the first one was good, right? At the third one, Nemo, Neo, Neo, who's the savior, right? He's supposed to be the one that he's the chosen one, supposedly. He gets a chance to meet what they call the architect, who's going to be the speaker from the mainframe of the computer that's running the whole place, yeah? And he takes a body appearance, and he's, he comes into a room, and, you know, Neo has that outfit with the robe, you know, the black robe. And there's tons of TVs, and he's on every one of them, right? <laughs> and so the architect starts talking to him about the whole situation, the whole matrix, yeah? And now Neo, this is the way it got me, there was a subtle implication that he was very special. You know, the title, The Chosen One, obviously, <laughs> sort of crowns you with some kind of speciality. And, you know, I guess he was going along with that. He's the one that was going to make everything change. And the architect says, you know, we've had seven saviors, six <laughs> saviors already. Yeah. It, was an, it was an aberration in the programming. It's, it's already been taken care of, right? <laughs> you're still included. You're not like a rev- you're not a radical revolutionary aspect. You're still included in the matrix. <laughs> in other words, there's no out- getting out. <laughs> I could see his saviorhood go, (laughs) what? (laughs) Take off those roads, put on a t-shirt, you know, go play some sports or something. Who knows? We would have been much better off, but as the savior. (laughs) So the architect blew his horn. (laughs) You're number seven. (laughs) We've seen plenty of you already. (laughs) Different names, different, the same, same. That's what it's like, you know. <laughs> we think we're so different and unique. It's hilarious. <laughs> it really is. I mean, in alcoholism, it's great because you come in, you get introduced to recovery. And I don't know about you, but when I got, if you're in it, I don't know if you're in it, but when I got introduced to it, uh, I was in a strong casing of of, uh, terminal uniqueness, you know? I didn't think anyone could understand me, and no one felt the way I felt, and no one had done the heinous things I had done in life. And and that thing had gone on pretty much untouched because the people I was with never really talked about much except getting loaded, you know, and music and shit like that. So I was sort of, that was a safe little preoccupation, and it hardened pretty, pretty heavy. I got into recovery, and what they do at meetings is people just share their feelings, their thoughts, and their reactions to life, basically, being, quote-unquote, an alcoholic. And then after a few months, I, ha- I had a realization, how could, either, how could all these people have my thoughts and my feelings and my reactions, or maybe they're not mine, yeah? And bingo, it was the second one. And the fact is, they're not. What I was was a presentation and an expression of a mental condition called alcoholism. It was producing the thoughts. It was interpreting the feelings. It was driving the actions to look a certain way. And anyone who had alcoholism could identify with me anywhere around the world because they've been living on the same mental and uh, interpretive condition. Every one of them. Yeah? If a normal person came in a meeting, they'd be aghast of what we laugh at. But anyone who has alcoholism will laugh at them because we know exactly how it feels to be you, 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 you. Because it wasn't about feeling like you, you, you. It was feeling alcoholism. 
It was one parasite taking over millions of hosts. Yeah? And we're all describing the takeover as it's very personal and very intimate, and that's the bondage of self. That's the real illness. That how, that's how it has you, by taking it to be you. Yeah? And yet it gets broken in recovery, and you are now what was impossible to think of before entertained, you can entertain. Hey, I can be free of it. I'm not that. How could I be that if everyone else in the room is that? Yeah? There must be another that that's possible than this that. Yeah? Now, once the mind can entertain, it's almost impossible to stop it. If it wants to go all the way, it will. Nothing in this fucking place will stop it. This mind precedes everything. But it needs the ability, it needs the possibility to entertain. And if you keep entertaining life as if you're the one who's doing it, it's your thinking, it's your choosing, you'll never entertain that you can be free of what's causing all the disease. Yeah, and so instead of being driven for therapy, you'll be radically free from it. Yeah? Instead of trying to socialize it so it doesn't ruin your next picnic you go to, you'll just say, fuck that, I don't have to live by those rules anymore. You're, you become like a free-range alcoholic. Yeah, you're free. You have parameters. I can't. If I shot coke now, it probably wouldn't be a good move. I would have had to, you know, send the basket earlier, get the money first, go in the bathroom. I'd never come to the talk. <laughs> I could pull that off for about a week or two, all the new meetings, and then I'd be out of this little seat assignment. <laughs> Don't go to Hederman's meeting. He's been shooting coke. <laughs> He's stealing the money before he does the talk. <laughs> so, you know. It's just a possibility. Check out where you're at and don't believe you're there. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> the, 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 self, the mental process thinks it knows where you are and knows how to get to where it thinks you need to be. It's on a total fucking crazy map. Totally. It's on a, it's on a, it's on a completely different ball uh, game board. <laughs> yeah. So... All right, that's it. No, no questions? Any questions? No.